India is home to one-third of the world's population of those living in extreme poverty and is the single largest concentration of people in the world who have never heard the gospel message. High hostility and persecution of Christians are everyday occurrences in this region. For those seeking to bring holistic change to the lives of millions, the challenge can seem daunting. Empart's founder, Jossi Chako, grew up in India but left at the age of 17 with $20 in his pocket, a one-way ticket to Australia, and a dream to become a business success. Busy climbing the corporate ladder and chasing that dream, Jossie's life was forever changed while on his honeymoon in India with his wife, Jenny. After sharing three weeks of their trip with an eight-year-old homeless boy they met from the slums of Delhi, Jossie found himself asking the question, why has God given me what I have? Three years of searching brought him to the unshakable conclusion that he was to use his life to fulfill the mission of Jesus. In 1998, he launched Empart with the ambitious goal to see 100,000 communities transformed by the year 2030. Under Jossie's visionary leadership, Empart has grown to a prolific church planting movement, more than 20,000 churches and 6,500 leaders, that is on track to achieve its goal. Empart's indigenous church planters work with communities ranging from city dwellers to remote tribes, training leaders to abolish spiritual poverty, defend dignity, rescue children, and see lives and communities transform. Let's welcome Jossie Chaco to the summit. How exciting it is to be here. Thank you so much for the wonderful warm welcome. It is so nice to see some Asians here, so I feel at home. You know, you better get to know them and like them because otherwise you're gonna have a terrible time in heaven because there's a lot more of us than you guys. <laughs> I think God seems to like us more because He seems to make a lot more of us. You know, this year He's making 21, Indian, 21 million Indians alone. So, um, Bill Hybels and Willow Creek Church, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity for leaders around the world to be blessed in this incredible way. You know, I was thinking as I came here from the cornfields of Illinois, the world is being blessed. How awesome it is. Thank you, Willow Creek. And, um, you know, we all start with a dream. And I started with my dream, and then we tried to build our world around it. My dream was uh, go to Australia, make a lot of money, and make it early so that you can have an early retirement. And uh, buy a hobby farm and raise my family and enjoy. That was my dream. So that's what I was pursuing. Then I got engaged to an Australian lady by the name of Jenny. And uh, she had a great idea that we would go and see the Taj Mahal for our honeymoon. And I tried to tell her, don't worry, I've never seen it. Uh, but she, she didn't take that. Women are very good in getting you to do what you don't want to do. Um, just ask Adam what happened. Um, so, so finally I went to see the Taj Mahal. And on, while we were there, we encountered this slum beggar boy and to pay back my wife, I decided to invite him to come with us for our honeymoon. So, so for the next three weeks, we spend our honeymoon with this beggar boy from the slums, about eight years of age, and he began to open up his world, world of starvation, sleeping on the streets, body part businesses, and sexual abuse, trafficking, and all of those things. And that encounter derailed my 
entire dream and journey. For the next three years, I started to really grapple with my faith, my dream, and my experiences with this little boy called Raju. And during that time, one of the parables of Jesus that he told us, the last parable from Matthew chapter 25, 14 to 30, really started to confront and challenge me. And in this parable, he talks about a master. He gives three of his servants some of his money. The first one he gives 10,000. To the next he gives 5,000. To the other 2,000, each according to their abilities. And then the master went away. Then when he came back, he asked for their account. And the first one came back and said, I have doubled your money to 20,000. The next one said, I have doubled to 10,000. The third one comes and says, I knew you were a hard taskmaster, just like Bill Hybels, must have had some Dutch in him. And he said, I, I, I didn't want to take the risk of losing your money, so I've buried it in a very safe place. Here is all of your money without losing a penny. And the master says to the first two ones who doubled their money, says, well done, you good and faithful servants. Now I'm going to promote you to greater influence and reach. And then he turns to that guy with the 2,000. He takes it from him and gives it to the first one and says, you are such a lazy, unfaithful servant. And we never hear about him again. The story goes to say the first two proved themselves to be trusted with more. Now, the question to all of us, we have been trusted with something. All of us have been trusted with something. How are we proving ourselves to be trusted with more? It's interesting that Jesus said this story as the last one before he left. He has entrusted the church with unbelievable gifts, talents, and abilities, everything necessary to transform the world. But I was becoming like that third servant. I just wanted to go and bury all my talents with a bunch of animals in a hobby farm. But I thank God for that boy that came to change my life. And in our own lives, I want to ask you, where is your talents today? What have you done with it? If today the master comes and asks for it, what would your response be and what will you hear? To Jesus, faithfulness is not just sitting with what you have been given. Faithfulness is multiplying what you have been given. Just keeping and keeping safe and maintaining things is not God's plan and not God's mission. So when we look at the saying, you know, if you are faithful in small things, you will be given more. It really means if you will multiply the small things that has been trusted with you, then he will give you more. Are you proving yourself to be trusted with more? The third servant, he buried his talents and never here again. I hope you will not be one of those. From this story, it is clear that God expects us to enlarge 
whatever he's been trusted us with. Just keeping and maintaining and playing safe is not an option, especially for followers of Christ. Because the DNA of multiplication have been put into us from creation. He said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. To Abraham, he said, multiply like the stars and the sand. To the disciples, he said, go to the ends of the earth and multiply. And Jesus said, it is to the Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So we have no excuse, no reason, because we are created for and commanded to multiply. God gives us the starting point. But what we do with it will determine what we end up with. Our legacy will be determined by what we have done with what we have been trusted with. In my leadership journey, I've learned a number of principles that I call out the unquestionable ways to expand our leadership reach. Today, I want to share with you three principles, which I call the three E's in expanding your leadership reach. The first is to enlarge your vision. In this story with the unfaithful servant, it wasn't that he did not have a vision. He had a vision. But his vision was to keep everything safe, not lose anything. Just play it safe. While the others had a growing, multiplying vision. What is your vision today? What, what are the conversations in your board meetings and, and leadership meetings revolves around? Is it about maintenance or is it about the mission of multiplication? Only two of their vision the master was pleased with, and that was the ones that took the risk to multiply. Is the master pleased with your vision? Time has come for us as leaders to reactivate those gifts and talents and abilities that has been trusted to us with, and to take some risk and invest everything, all of it, and then we will begin to see the fruit emerging all around the world. They say everything is big in Texas, but just because you are in Texas, it doesn't make you a great leader. Nor just because you're in a poor country, it makes you a small leader. It's what's inside of you, what God has put inside of you, that will determine whether you become a great leader or an insignificant leader. When people hear your vision, they should know the size and scale of your God. When they hear your vision, they should be inspired to achieve bigger and greater things in their own life. An enlarged vision should keep us awake at night and energized during the day. Does your vision sound like this? If not, today is the day to enlarge it. Sometimes good and well-meaning people will come, and they will come to pop the vision, which I call the vision poppers. And I had some of them because we had a, a goal to see 100,000 communities transformed by planting 100,000 churches. And a lot of people came and said, no, it's not possible. But friends, let me say this to you. Do not be confused about what people say about your vision because they have not heard and they have not seen what God has put into you. Trust what God has put into you and run after it all of your heart and you will get there. 
don't worry about what people say anyway, because, you know, I was raised in southern India, very near the beach, but I'd never seen the beach because in our culture, to be white is to be beautiful. So if you go in the sun, you get dark, so we don't go in the sun. So we cover up and we put white powder on ourselves. And then when I was 17, went to Australia, a friend of mine took me to the beach and I saw the beautiful water and the great sand. And then all of a sudden I looked down and I saw all these bodies lying on the ground. And then I realized they were all fainted because they were not moving. And then I realized while they were fainted, somebody had robbed everything, including their clothes. <laughs> so, so I said to my friend, let's get out of here before that happens to us. And let's call the police. And he said, no, 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 there's nothing. No, no. I said, there is. Look at them all. They're almost dead. And then he was looking at me, and he was looking at them, look at me, and then and said, man, don't worry. They're all just trying to look like you. <laughs> you know, I was trying to look like the white people. When I came to the white people, I realized they all want to look like me. So don't let, don't let popularity or cultural verdict and opinions determine your vision. Let your vision be determined by what the Creator has put inside of you. Enlarging your vision doesn't mean that you go around embracing and doing everything and anything. Embracing, enlarging your vision means staying focused, but enlarging and getting a bigger horizon. Allowing your horizon to get bigger and bigger. You know, last year, our prime minister in India was challenging us to build toilets because over 700 million people have no access to a toilet. And the open defecation causes massive health issues. Women cannot travel anywhere. They are housebound unless they are willing to be faced with the shame and embarrassment and public humiliation. And so we decided to take that on. Two years ago, we didn't have a vision to build toilets, but now we have a toilet vision. <laughs> but that is not a new vision. It's an, en it's an enlargement of the vision that we had, which was transforming lives and communities holistically. There are opportunities all around you to enlarge your vision, but only people who have a vision of growing and multiplying will see them. If your vision is to keep what you have, you will not see those opportunities around you. And I pray that you will have eyes to see the opportunities that are around you. Just having a vision statement on the wall is not going to bring about changes. You need to be compassionate. Bill already talked about this morning. You need to have a living vision with passion because it doesn't matter how creative vision statement is on the wall. People are not going to sacrifice their life for it, but they will do anything and everything for a, a passionary. A passionary is a visionary with a passion. So become a passionary and you will see big people begin to follow you. And as we enlarge our vision, you can never achieve that enlargement vision by yourself. You need the help of others, and you need ongoing miracles. And that leads to the second point that is empowering your people. In this story that we read, 
It's one of the most amazing, empowering stories because the master gives the money and then just leaves, leaving them to work out the, the outcomes and the results. But we know as leaders that empowerment backfires. How many of you had that experience? You empower people, but then they do the wrong things. Or, the, you know, you, you invest into them time and money and everything, then they just leave. Where still they say, God told me to leave. I don't know why only God speaks to them and not to you. <laughs> but when we have such experiences, we lose our confidence. And then we start to lead with hurt because we stop empowering the people. I've had many such experiences, but the example of Jesus inspires me. Did Jesus know that Thomas would doubt him? Did he know that Peter would deny him? Did he know that Judas would betray him before he even selected them? He did, but he still gave them a chance. Friends, leadership is all about taking wise chances and giving people opportunities regardless of your past experiences. And I pray that today you overcome your past hurts and start to empower your people. As you empower your people, don't be fooled by the package they come in. You know, at Empart, we are so blessed with some unbelievable leaders, you know, scientists, directors, corporate leaders, business leaders, but we are also incredibly blessed with some unlikely leaders. Chandrapal, that we found him on the under the bridge on the street. And this guy that you see on the screen, we found him as a mad, crazy man, homeless, living under a bridge. We took him from there, rescued him. Today, he is leading our churches and transforming three communities. Stefan, who is now traveling with me, he is here. Uh, 18 years ago, I found him by the side of a road as a backpacker in Australia. Took him along. Now he leads our ministry all across Europe, a phenomenal leader. Leadership is all around us. We just need to find them. Pascal is a blind man leading our work in France. He's just, he planted his first church. He's about to plant his second church in the middle of Paris and doing phenomenal work there. Through empowerment, we can do incredible things. Through empowerment, you can do things you can never achieve. You can go places that you can never go. In part, we are able to reach 1,400 different people group with different languages, religious background, and context, only because we are able to empower local people who understand the complexities of religion and culture and languages in their own places. So your leadership reach will determine by your empowerment abilities. A good test to know whether you're empowering your people is to take a long vacation and see what happens to the people and the vision that you lead. <laughs> you know, I intentionally live in another continent to where our ministry is. As a result, our people are more empowered and I'm able to focus more on the things that I need to. I believe leaders need to be like scaffoldings. We are there to lay the foundation and champion and raise up the leaders and empower them and then move on to the next horizons to champion. Most leaders, entrepreneurs, we start extraordinary things, but then we get stuck in those, in those projects. We have no capacity or room to champion the next horizons. 
You know, as we empower, there are three things that uh, we should keep in mind that I do that helps us to avoid some of the dangers. The first one is that you should focus on building the character before you empower them. Because it's not the empowerment that's the problem, it's the character that's the problem. People never fail because of lack of character. People fail because, sorry, people don't fail because of lack of information. They fail because of lack of character. So great leaders not only just pass information, they build character in and around the people that they are with them. So focus on building the character before you empower them. Otherwise, it becomes very dangerous. Second thing is, empowerment has to be through relationship. Because without relationship, you cannot know their character and cannot help them. It's interesting that Jesus did not invite his followers to just follow him from a mile behind. He invited them so that they can be with him. Paul raised up his disciples as sons, Timothy and Titus and others. Empowering leadership is not about leading from the front. Empowering leadership is about leading alongside. Your legacy will testify to whether you had followers mile behind you or your followers were alongside of you. To practically apply this in empath, all of our future leaders have to go and live in small groups with one of our leaders for 12 months. Right now, we have 1,200 such leaders staying for one year with our leaders. So it builds relationships and develops character. The third thing that you need to do before you empower is to make sure that you have the right outcomes that, are, that is agreed. So you have an agreed right outcomes and that you build the right systems and processes to measure them. You know, we call it KPI in business, it's key performance indicators, but for followers of Christ, it's called kingdom performance indicators. <laughs> so establish them and make it clear and then continue to measure them. Empowerment does not lack it's not about no, having no control or lack of control. Empowerment just changes what you control. It's not controlling the people, but it's controlling the outcomes. So without character and relationship, right controls and measurements, empowerment may not be helpful in expanding your leadership reach. In fact, it may become more stressful and create more headaches. But if you do it right, you can create shared ownership and exponential growth for your vision. For example, 18 years ago when I started, I had the goal of 100,000 communities being transformed. Just recently, we did a survey of our leaders. Without my number in it, one of the questions was, what is your goal? And when we added up the total of our leaders, it came to 127,000 communities. So I encourage you to build character, build relationship, establish the right agreed outcomes, and put the right KPIs, and empower the people that's around you. The third thing, first is enlarging your vision, second is empowering your people, the third is embrace risk. To me, risk and faith is the same thing. In the marketplace, we call it 
we take some risk. Or we say, I'm just going to take some risk. In ministry, we would say, I'm just taking steps of faith, talking about the same thing. If, if it is so, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So let me paraphrase that. That means without taking risk, it is impossible to please God. How many of you are pleasing God today? In our Western society, it's all about eliminating risk. And that's a great thing, generally speaking. But when we bring that risk-free culture into leadership, we make leaders ineffective and we move from pioneering to preserving. We become all about maintaining, just keeping what we have. So embrace risk. And the second, uh, there are three paradigms that need to be changed if we are truly going to embrace risk. The first is you need to see risk as your friend to love, not your enemy to be feared. You need to begin to see risk as your friend to love, not as your enemy to be feared. The third servant was, was gripped and crippled by fear of losing everything that he did not do anything about it, while the other two servants embraced the risk and prepared to lose everything and they invested and they multiplied and doubled. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. So as followers of Christ, we should be the most risk-taking, ambitious, audacious people on the planet Earth because God has not given us a spirit of fear. If God did not give you a spirit of fear... If God did not give you a spirit of fear, who gave it to you? Devil. Why would you take anything from the devil? So today, give that back to the devil and embrace faith and courageous, audacious spirit from Jesus and go after the mission that God has given to you. Don't, don't allow the fear of losing what you have keep you from losing what God has for you. Most of us took significant risk when we started, but then we didn't have anything to lose. It was easy to take those risks when we had nothing to lose. But when we stop taking those risks, we underachieve our potentials. Friends, your vision needs to be permanently hinged on the door of risk. Then only opportunities will open for you. You're in this story, not taking risk was considered to be lazy and unfaithful. How many of you would like that title? Carry a business card with your name, lazy and unfaithful. <laughs> Let go of your fears and start embracing risk as your friend. The second paradigm that we must uh, shift and change is that you must see comfort and safety as your enemies. You know, again, we buy everything that is comfortable and very safe, which is really good. But you cannot allow that mindset to come into leadership because comfort, safety, and risk cannot coexist. When I started in the region that I'm working in, I did not know a person there, did not speak the language, and I was a stranger. As an introvert, it was very uncomfortable. I had to step out of my comfort zone and safety zones in a massive way. 
But as I started to move, I began to see miracles taking place. We started with one community, and now that's been multiplied to 21,000. And millions of people are being blessed through our ministries. Let me ask you this. By you not taking the continuous steps of faith and risk, who is missing out the blessings in their life? If I was just sitting with the animals in the hobby farm, those communities would have been the losers. Who is missing out because you are refusing to take the next step of faith? Don't start seeing comfort and safety as, as something that actually is good in leadership. Embrace fear as your friend and comfort and safety as your enemies. You know, one of the ways that we play it safe is trying to work everything out before we do anything. Did I have everything figured out before I started? Absolutely no. I mean, think about Moses. Did he figure it all out before they left Egypt? Man, if, if, if Moses had board members and advisors like we have, they still will be in Egypt. I mean, he didn't have a budget, did no business plan. I'm not saying you should not have those things, but I'm saying don't allow the earthly practicalities cause you to forget the heavenly possibilities. You need to start leading, making decisions based on the heavenly possibilities of the one who put the dreams inside of you. And he is able to do exceedingly far more abundantly anything that you can ask or think. You just need to start taking steps of faith. The third paradigm you need to shift is it is, in, it is critical that you begin to increase your pain threshold because you cannot take risk if your pain threshold is small. I believe your leadership capacity is in direct proportion to your pain threshold. How is your pain threshold today? So if you want to enlarge your leadership reach and capacity, enlarge your pain threshold Unfortunately, some of the greatest ideas, churches, businesses, charities that could have changed the world is in the graves today because they did not want to take the risk. They played it safe. Friends, don't take your talents and gifts and abilities to heaven. Heaven does not need it. It was planted inside of you to be revolutionizing and transforming this world. The God who put that dream inside of you is waiting for you and hoping that you will invest. And the world is waiting for you to do the same. Don't procrastinate making the decision to pull the trigger on the things that God has put in your heart. Today is not only a learning day, it's also a decision day. You know, regret, one of my greatest regrets was I love my grandfather. I talk about him in my book called Madness. I loved him. And I, one day I wrote this long letter appreciating, thanking him. But in the busyness of my chasing my dream, I forgot to post that letter. And then the phone rang one day, and it was my mother. And she said, your grandfather has died. The first thing that came to my mind was, oh, that letter. I wrote it, but I just didn't post it. My grandfather never got to read the things that I wrote in it, how much I appreciated and valued him. Friends, when we get to eternity, don't have any regret thinking, oh, I wish I'd done that. Oh, I wish I'd taken that step. 
Today is the day for you to make some decisions. I want to ask you to do three things before you go to sleep tonight. First, make a list of, make a list of all the dreams, ideas, and vision that you have got it buried, that you have not yet practiced, that if you die today, they will go to your grave with you. Make a list of them. And then next to it, put a column and write the time frames that you're going to take action on them. And right next to it, the third column, write the name of the person who is going to hold you accountable. Make the list of all the, the things that God has put inside of you that you haven't acted upon. Put a time frame that you're going to take action on and put the name of the person who is going to hold you accountable. God has sent me to encourage you, to enlarge your vision, to empower your people and embrace risk and pull the trigger on the things that you have been procrastinating. I believe it is God's desire to enlarge and stretch your leadership capacity beyond your wildest dreams. He has entrusted you with all that you have with the great hope that you will multiply them. And the world is so desperately waiting for you to do so. If you will do these things, your leadership reach will continue to expand even long after you're gone. And I know that in eternity you will be so glad you did this. Thank you.